What's happening, everybody? This is V3Cast, episode 22, the first one of 2023. What's happening, fellas? Good evening. What's up? up? Doing it to it, man. Going to hit this year running. We're going to make check marks on our list and get things done. Getting it done. That's right. Recording, (laughs) playing shows. We're writing a book. We're working on a new book. (laughs) We're reading books skydiving <laughs> oh man i am never jumping out of a perfectly good plane i'm so sorry about that uh i'm, I'm passing would you have that. done it like when you were 20 nope nope oh, per- perfectly good plane why would i jump out of it all right <laughs> a lot of people do it's it it's not natural I know, I know they do and good for them i would tell you what i would do though if i was if i was diving out of a plane i would be drinking a nice cool beverage all the way down <laughs> I, I gotta know what would you guys be drinking if you were jumping out of a plane <laughs> it's a really rough segue steve that's a pretty good one he worked for that thanks man yeah you know i i take <laughs> i take what's out there and i try to mold it and make it something that's right all you always have you've always been a hustler like that <laughs> uh for me it's nothing fancy just modello all right man it's always glare city on that thing man right there well it's a pure, pure white shiny can you know Modelo. they should do a dark version of the they can they do they do, oh, of the can. Yeah, they do. It's Modelo. I think it's Modelo Dark. Well, why, why, why the hell don't you get Dark? Though it'd be more photogenic. Yeah. It I might not taste I'll good. I'll try it out. I'll try it out. It'd what if I don't like it? Podcast, Aaron. <laughs> what if I get a whole six pack and I don't like it? I'll just have to give it to Greg. Exactly. Yeah, you, you already have a, have a protocol uh, set yeah. up for if you don't like a beverage, you give it to Greg. Right. Just put it in that fridge down your basement. It'll get it'll get gone. It, it'll get drunken. <laughs> That's right. That's it right. might not be my favorite, but I'll still drink it. I'll drink it. <laughs> oh, man. Greg, what do you got? I know you were, you were talking earlier. You can't wait to crack into your beverage. So what is it? It's from your brother's hometown, Ryan, Ryan Geist Brewery. Oh. This one's called Juicy Truth. I don't oh. think your brother's a big fan of theirs, but I'll tell you what. This one's pretty good. Let's get a little. Uh, oh, yeah. Did you get you that? Go. I heard that. I don't know. That, um, let me get that packaging out and rustle that around a little bit. I don't know um, if he's heard of that one or not. What, Sam, you got to pipe in if you see this and, and let us know. Have you had that one? Is that one good? Or if not, get you some and then let us know if you like it. And if and you I'm don't like sure, it, give it to Greg. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he has a bone to pick with this brewery. I don't know why that stuck in my head, but hmm. I remember talking to him at his wedding. He said something about Rheingeist. I'm not sure why. Maybe he liked it. I don't know. Okay. But anyways, well, let me turn that. Like around. he's got some personal business with them, like oh, personal, yeah, glass. personal, personal business. A that's a rubber. That's a rubber sole. That's glass. awesome. And also Is that a new logo on them. New glass there? No, I got a whole set of Beatles glasses. Oh, uh, I like that. Hey, you got to <laughs> You got to show those uh, next time because I would like you to do a series of them, so I can. As I feel like I've, I feel like I've had them on before. I know I've shown you the revolver one. I must not have been there for that one. I've got revolver, <laughs> <laughs> rubber sole. Well, where the hell were you? Don't, don't reveal <laughs> it. Wait till we wait till next time so we can see them. 
That's right. It'll be one episode at a time we unveil each of Greg's <laughs> luscious Beatles glasses. <laughs> you can you can guess which is the next. You know, I've already given you two of them. So well, I would think that Abbey Road would guess. be one of them. Abbey Road. No use in Google either. Steve. Boom. What are you drinking? Uh, White I got monster. something fun, man. It's fun. I found it. Uh, where Bloody Mary. Nino Chauvagios. <laughs> Virgil's handcrafted black cherry soda. Nice. Is it? Uh, yeah, you should check it out. Nobody, yeah. You'll have to add sound to that, too, because that was Steve, weak. Steve, how come you can never do the like, like ASMR? Tastes like I'm eating cherries. That's so good. Uh, is it cold? Mm-hmm. All right. Good. It's been in the fridge all day. All right. Oh, that's good. Oh, I, I thought that, it was in that your put out, some pep in your step. fridge. Oh, I, love, oh, I do that Steve's too. Steve's got an outdoor bar. Uh, yeah, it's got everything. And when we yep. come over to record, we, <laughs> everything's it's just, outside. It's yeah. outside and it's nice in winter time. So it's yeah. cold. And it's nature's free refrigerator. And there's a dude Cheers. out there. Um, it's the guy from The Shining and he's just sitting yeah. behind the bar. Lloyd. Yeah. <laughs> All right. One of our featured topics of this podcast episode is our appreciation for Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, which yes. came out on June 4th, 1982, directed by Nicholas Meyer, music by James Horner. Oh, man. It's still, in my opinion, the best Star Trek that they've ever done. I love yeah. it. I'll watch it anytime. I I will not argue. And that's saying a lot because there's other great Star Trek movies, but this is definitely has to be the best. And it's one of the best movies ever. It has <laughs> one of the most traumatic scenes in it. Oh, yeah. yeah. From my and childhood. Some people might not know this factoid as well, but it is actually a sequel, believe it or not. Uh, the original Star Trek series had an episode called Space Seed in 1967, and uh, it introduced Khan. Uh, and played by Ricardo Montalban back then as well. The Wrath of Khan is a continuation of what happened in that particular episode. So check it out if you didn't know that. What's great about that movie is like we were all little little kids when we saw it. And when you're a kid, you you focus. We've talked about this before. You focus on if it's a horror movie, you focus on the scary stuff. If it's a science fiction movie, you're focusing on the lasers and stuff like that. And then as you're as you get older, you're like, whoa, man. There's a lot of stuff going on in this movie that I didn't oh, notice yeah. as a kid, you know, the conversations and the acting and stuff. So as you get older, the you grow with the movie and the movie gets better and better. So um, it's been a few years since I watched it. So I refreshed myself on it. Watching it today with a critical eye because I knew we were going to be talking about it. It's just um, it's so rich. It's so great. The set design, the colors, the warmth of the uh, of the set and, and even the warmth of the costumes. I remember like. Because part one, I still think is a really cool movie, but it, you know, it has its problems. The most Star Trek, the motion picture, but they fixed everything that they did wrong in the first one, or that yeah. they kind of were wishy-washy about in the first one, you know, and that movie is very, uh, has a very cold aesthetic, which is cool too. But um, Wrath of Khan just darkens everything up. It adds all this red and adds all this cool atmosphere and everything. And uh, even the way they, the way they, sort of do a double dip like okay the the movie starts off with with just showing the the bridge the bridge crew functioning all these cadets you don't really know they're cadets when it first starts but they're all they're all on the enterprise and they're doing their thing and, and they're doing the kobayashi maru then later in the movie when kirk and the crew come onto the actual ship 
they get this double dip of showing you like every every angle of the ship which they already did in the first movie but they do it a little cooler in this one and then even when they go to the bridge where they open the movie it looks and feels totally different because of the way they shoot it the way they act the way they react to the bridge now you know they're in the real deal yeah even though you saw something that looked just like it in the in the in the first scene now it means more you know so it's all all these tricks they do throughout the movie to to create that atmosphere you know yeah it's funny that you mentioned that particular aspect of things because uh, when i was doing some reading about it uh they actually severely cut the budget as compared to the motion picture because that didn't do as well so they were kind of gun shy and all this kind of thing so they they, they were forced to uh recycle a whole bunch of all of the sets of the bridge and other stuff that there was one space uh kind of base in the first one i can't remember what it was called but that's what regular one ended up being was that kind of changed just enough to make it not obvious and bulkheads and the bridge and uh the close-up scene in regular one was the klingon ship in the first one all these all these, all these sort of things so they were really being savvy and sure. uh frugal with all that stuff there was even um some stuff that they used from the failed uh, Star Trek Phase Two TV show. Um, I guess they built some sets and did some things, and then it didn't go anywhere. So then they used some of that stuff. They spent a ton on the motion picture, uh, just with the the fifteen minute long shots of the ship alone. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so they had to they had to cut some budget. You know, like the the performances in the movie are outstanding. You know, yeah. and and people like to rip on william shatner but i think they kind of miss the point when they do that i mean it's funny to do that it's funny to rip on him and everything but he's obviously like the perfect person to play that character you know what i mean like oh, yeah, yeah. and and he did it for for so long and he was he was great at it and especially maybe in that movie maybe that's his best performance probably and as well as ricardo montalban you know people use that phrase like chewing the scenery but I don't know if I really buy that because like, how else should you play these characters? Should you be subtle? Should you, or always be subtle? Should you uh, be quiet and, um, and minimal or should you fucking, you know, go for it like those right. guys do, oh, you yeah. know? And I don't think it's over the top. I think it's the appropriate way to play those characters. So like, they're so good and, 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 you know, they just savor it. You can tell they savor every line. Yeah. And it's amazing too that they have this they have this chemistry, they have this whole you know rivalry and all this hate and they're never on the screen together at the same time. They're right. never standing in the same room. Yeah, not once in the movie. Film, right? They're they're always on screen, they're always on screens facing each other and um you know or on the com and stuff like that. And just that alone, there's so much power between those two those two guys. You could never touch that if they did a live or not a live, if they did a new version of that movie, which they kind of did in uh, back in 2012 or whatever it was um, with the new cast. Of course, they have them face to face constantly. Right. They have them in fighting. Everybody has to, you know, physically fight each other because that's like the modern way to do it. You have to have everything going on. But in that movie, they they uh they use that restraint and somebody made that conscious decision of like, no, they're, they're never going to be in the same room at the same time. And we'll yeah. see what kind of tension we can get out of it, you know, because of that. And just, yeah, that restraint is everything. Sometimes when you don't do something, 
uh, it, it's it's more powerful. Absolutely. Greg, when's the last time you saw Rathacon? Man, it's been a while. But like I said, it has one of the most traumatic um, scenes from my youth that I remember vividly. Yeah. I don't think anybody forgets it if you see it young. But the, the SETI eel uh, yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. And he's got all those guys like down on their knees, or I think. And uh, he basically like takes one of the babies out from underneath the scale of the main thing, whatever it is, after it nearly tried to like pull the forceps out of his hand. And yeah. You just know how nasty that thing is. And then he pulls like the babies out and he's putting them in that little, that little thing. And you know, nothing good is going to happen because he's pulled out like the exact amount of the guys that are in the room prisoner, (laughs) you know? So, (laughs) you know, and then, you know, then everybody knows what happens after that. You know, the whole year thing, just very traumatic. What's crazy is like, there's stuff in nature that's sort of like that, you know, like, Mm. like titsy flies or whatever. What's that one that, you know, if it bites you and then it like grows underneath your skin or something like, so I don't know. Or something like that. Yeah. So like it's route, you know, it's rooted in, in realism, you know, so it's not that far fetched, even though it's a Star Trek movie that something could crawl in. So I was convinced something could crawl in my ear at night, you know, and (laughs) it was going to wrap itself around my cerebral cortex. And, (laughs) you know, I forget how he says it, but it basically like wraps itself around your brain and grows until it has no more room. And then it exits or something, I think. So, yeah, yeah, that, I mean, leaves you susceptible to suggestion. (laughs) It's, it's, it's a hundred percent better than the first one. Um, in my opinion. And, and, you know, just look at rotten tomatoes, man. It's like 86% on there. And yeah. that's like, how long has this movie been out? I mean, how many people have seen it? So to have 86% on rotten tomatoes, is pretty good. Yeah. It's incredible for sure. You know, so that just tells you how good it is and it's, and it's stood up, you know, and it, it's definitely the best star Trek movie. In my opinion, I yeah. never, you know, I was always a star Wars guy. So like, I sort of had this natural hostility towards Star Trek. You know, <laughs> that was my dad's generation. You know, like that's how I saw it. You know, I'm like, it's yeah. not, you know, special effects aren't as good. And I would see it on TV and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is corny. And, you know, so, so the movies actually redeemed Star Trek in my eyes because it became more on par with what I saw in Star Wars. It was at least closer than yeah, when I mean, you compare, it when you a modern them. age. Yeah, like when you compare the t- the Star Trek TV show to Star Wars, there's obviously a a, a wide difference in technology. <laughs> and uh, but like once they did started doing the movies, it sort of narrowed that gap. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess you know this is kind of cool, you yeah. know. And then the whole you know ear thing freaked me out. So I was <laughs> like, man, it's got some good you know horror elements to it almost. And right, or interesting tidbit. Would uh, is uh, the the director Nicholas Meyer uh, had actually never watched a Star Trek episode ever when they asked him to direct it, so he came See, at it. That's probably why it's so good. Yeah, he came at it, you know, from a totally different standpoint, not as a fan of it or even have known about it or yeah. or the intricacies of it or the way the characters traditionally behaved. I guess um, exactly. He would have been trapped cool. in that. He would have been trapped in that thing where where Kirk has to like be a womanizer or, or you know what i mean like he would have mm. he would have had a preconceived idea about how it should be and instead you know he came in and just made an awesome star trek movie yeah yeah and i think that probably contributes to why so much of that movie is like 
really like an old fashioned sub battle movie. It, 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 right. Of course it's science fiction, but wherever they can get away with it, they kind of analog it down. And, you know, when they have people running around the ship, carrying equipment, instead of it just being automated, like automatically where it needs to be, you yeah. know, and when they show them pulling up those floor planks to get those torpedoes ready to launch, they could have, that all could have been automated and, you know, just in the computer, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, but they show people to go for that nautical feel, I think. Yeah. Like the crew of a ship, you know? Yeah, exactly. So I think that's what probably what appealed to Nicholas Meyer is he's like, well, yeah, we can do a sub, a sub World War II battle movie in space. Let's do that, you know? So, yeah. That that helps, you know. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we definitely can't forget to mention the one of the best film scores that's ever been. Seriously, James Horner's yeah. score to that is just so good. Uh, some unique instruments choices and definitely unique approaches and timbres that he chose. But one one more thing about the movie uh, that we have to mention is like you know, the most, the most you see, when you said it's got the most dramatic scene, Greg, I totally thought you were talking about Spock at the end. Yeah. And so, yeah, the I, ear thing is definitely traumatic, traumatic, traumatic. I got you. I misheard you as, but the D dramatic, like with Spock, like, yeah, man. you know, as a kid, you just can't believe it. And I'm, right. no, I'm sure no adult in the theater could believe it. Right. Um, to see excellent choice to do that. Yeah. And it doesn't even matter that they reversed it in the next movie. That doesn't matter. Right. Um, you know, and but it doesn't it, matter. Also, it was, a, it was well done how they did it. It made sense. Right. It wasn't cheap. So everything worked. Right. And even if you're watching it for the 50th time, like I did, you know, it's coming, but it's still powerful. That's, yeah. that's why that's part of why it's so good. Um, and like even that little moment, you know, when, I mean, it's just so heavy when, when Kurt comes down there and he can't go in there, he can't open the door because he'll flood the whole compartment and, and uh, they're, they're on the each side of the glass. So now you have like, he's looking at Khan through, through monitors. Now he's looking at Spock through glass. They can't even be in the same room together. And then Spock is all messed up. He's across the room. He struggles up, kind of uses the wall to, to prop himself up. And then, you know, the, the, the coolest thing ever is that he he pulls his, his tunic. tunic down. Yeah, totally. He man. fixes his fucking tunic. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, yeah, now I that could not that. have been that couldn't have been a direction that had to be Leonard Nimoy's choice. I I, I hope I never hear anybody correct me on that. Right. I, that had to be Leonard Nimoy's choice because, like, to throw that in there as he's about to die and and uh, he's all mm-hmm. irradiated, his face is all messed up and struggles over to the to the wall and has that you know amazing scene uh, with with kirk and it's just yeah. it's one of the best things ever you can't oh, beat yeah. it for sure i'll never forget that last sequence like that is absolutely moving for sure absolutely oh and one more thing that's really cool about part two is that it's it starts a trilogy within the whole star trek series you know one pretty much motion picture stands on its own kind of unconnected to the rest yeah. sort of and then wrath of khan starts this thing and then 
Genesis, of course, is a huge part of the of part three, uh, the search for Spock. And of course, they're they're going to recover. Well, they end up going to recover Spock. They don't know he's alive at first, but and then the Enterprise gets blown up. They they commandeer that that Klingon ship, the Bird of Prey, and then that brings you into part four, the uh, voyage home, where they're still riding around in that Klingon ship. They yeah. haven't even had time to change their clothes, right, their civilian right. clothes that they had in part three. So they're not even in uniform for for all part four. All that stuff is really cool. That continuity, like those three movies look like they take place within a week or two of each other. Mm -hmm. To have a trilogy in the middle of a series is pretty unique. Yeah, definitely. All right. It's time for this episode's installment of Collecting Cool Stuff this week. Oh, man, I love this segment. I think Aaron shared something similar that he collects and I, I kind of put myself above it a little bit. Like I would never collect those. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. So I changed gears and I wanted so maybe, to let maybe Aaron, some thoughts. I, you, okay, go ahead. I oh, wanted to let Aaron man. know that I'm officially in. There you go, man. If yeah. You're gonna you, get oh, one, that's I, yeah the you one said you get. were never going to get any of those pops, those fun codes. Yeah, exactly. That's what yes. I'm saying. I put myself above it but now you're in it. There you go. My mom got this for me for Christmas. Man, so that's nice. the one to get, man. God dang. That's awesome. So here, that's let great. me take it out of the box real quick. Oh, geez. <laughs> oh God. Hold on. I got to get it out of the box. It sounds there. like an elephant falling down a mountain. Oh my God. It's oh, a very noisy box. Hang on. <laughs> oh, you're killing me. <laughs> there he is. Yeah, that's that. Is that, um, that. That is early era. That would be from the first album, right? Nice. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm all in there. So now there you got to get all of them. All so no, them. wait. Now, yeah, that's the problem. So my mom got me the one. Right. You've taken like, your yeah. first step into a larger world. That's right. I was like, you know, mom, not for nothing, but there were four guys in the band. Oh man. I mean, I have. I have Peter and I have Ace. I need I need Gene. Can I have that Gene? So so <laughs> that's why that's why I showed the box because there might be people that collect these. That hold on, I gotta put this box. Up. Oh no! Oh Jeez. no! Here we go again. Let me put this back in here real quick. All right, all right. I put the box back together, you guys. That's oh, why good. I showed the box because it's they got the number on there, one twenty one. Yep. Yep. So I know that there are probably, there might be another Kiss series, but this is what they all look like for this series on the back here. I resisted as long as I could, but my mom dragged me in to the right. Funko See, Pop thing. And I got to say, cool stuff is fun, man. I got to say, once you hold this thing in your hand, you know, it is pretty, uh, it is pretty charming. Yeah, <laughs> it is. All right. Since we are on a film kick right now, Let's talk about something that uh, should be pretty cool. It's the Dungeons and Dragons movie coming out uh, on March 1st of this year called Honor Among Thieves. And um, the trailer came out a little bit ago, I would say probably back in the late fall. But uh, I just revisited it and watched it again. I'm kind of excited about this. I mean, some of it looks like it might be a little bit uh, comedic, uh, you know, because, you know, Chris Pine's kind of sense of humor speaking of star trek you know he had uh 
that similar kind of wit uh, as as his version of Captain Kirk. I didn't mind it. I think it worked in that, and I think it'll work in this too. And uh, Michelle Rodriguez is in it. And in case you didn't know, she is a a, a huge Dungeons and Dragons fan and player. Believe it or not, so it's cool. it, 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 it's appropriate that she's in the film. And I even looked through the cast and uh, see if I could if I saw uh, Deborah Ann Wall in there because she's also a humongous. Dungeons and Dragons fan, but they they didn't cast her, unfortunately. Mm. Bummer. <laughs> no Joe Manganello. No, he's not in it either that I saw. I mean, you, you never know. They might have uh people that they're not announcing. Yeah. You know how they do that stuff, but uh it's not like formally listed on the IMDB site yeah. or anything like that. But that there's a whole bunch of D D fans that are actors that you might not even know it. Like, for example, um Jack Black is a humongous D D player and fan and uh all these guys and gals yeah. uh, have been on different YouTube channels playing D and D, and it, it's like a whole production. They film it, mm-hmm. and there's even like a little bit of effects in there sometimes, and uh, sound effects, and they kind of you know amp up the drama and make it really fun to watch. Um, like to me, it'd be fun to watch D and D. Period. But they mm-hmm. take it up a notch and, and have some production value to it. But I, I wanted to see like who's responsible for writing. And directing it because that was you know that would help you kind of decide a little bit of like what kind of film are you going to get so mm-hmm. there's actually two directors you got john francis uh daly and uh you got jonathan goldstein now um john daly was like the writer of spider-man homecoming i didn't see that one but i think people considered that to be excellent right it's great yeah it's great yeah so yeah he he, was, he wrote some of the screenplay to that and then jonathan goldstein uh wrote some of that as well mm-hmm. uh, the spider-man movie and he directed game night and vacation so this guy's a comedy guy obviously yeah right? i was gonna say you, kind of you, comedy mentioned centric. There, you mentioned there was a little bit of comedy in the trailer i felt like there was a lot of comedy no there I is felt like, yeah, there is i felt like the comedy was through the whole thing so you know it's going to be like a very you know almost like a ryan reynolds movie everything is smart assed and you right. know yeah. That's what I was gathering too. Self-deprecating, you know, right? Humor and uh, yeah. that mixed with the other big factor to me that I've that the trailer shows you this, you know, if you know what to look for as a D and D fan. But they're going to show you all these things that you've loved about D and D over the years, like spells, the books. you know, all that yeah. stuff. Like, like you got, you'll get to see what a shield spell looks like, for example, right? And uh, you get to see. Um, what a mimic the, looks the, like in a gelatinous cube and a and this funny I was gonna say you guys saw the cube in there. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Know, and and, then, and the owl bear. You get to finally yeah. see an owl bear in, in like, you know, quote unquote real life, you know, mo- you know, motion. <laughs> What's that so um, gonna be fun. Black Panther with like the tail that stings? What is that? Uh that's a good question. I don't know if I remember what that's called or not. Um Oh that's Griffin? in there. Is it a, no. a, a Griffin? No. Anyway, that's in there too. Yeah, yeah. They they, they pack it. They they're, yeah. they're you know they're trying to give you everything you've always wanted to see, and so I'm excited for that. You know, because yeah. with modern effects, you know, um, it's going to be fun to see that yeah. stuff. And and uh, they have like the variety of dragons, like the different color dragons who do different yeah. stuff. You know, they they don't all shoot fire, right? You know, there's like the acid spitting dragon stuff like that. Yep, yep, absolutely. I showed it to my son today, and he was like losing his mind. So. It yeah, might see. be a good one for me to take him to. You know, part of the reason we spelled his name the way we did 
is that you can jumble up the letters and it makes the word dragon. So Oh nice man. Nice. nice. He's yeah. he's super he's super into it. So hopefully there's not a lot of swearing or <laughs> like there won't it, be it look it looked like comedic violence. So I think it's probably yeah. okay for him. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. For sure. I don't think it's going to be like super gory or anything. I mean, maybe somebody yeah. gets like burned by a, a a dragon, but you don't really see it. So right. hopefully, hopefully he can watch it because he watched the trailer and he was like, he's like, one more time. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so I had to play it twice in a row for him. And the uh, the score should be great. Um, I can kind of already imagine what it's going to be like. It's going to be very symphonic and uh, big. Uh, and low horns when the when the enemies are on screen which is it's all good you know it's just trying to convey a point but uh the composer is uh lorne balf uh who did like terminator genesis and the last couple mission impossible films and even black widow so he's definitely um experienced and and knows how to handle these epic adventures so i think the score will fit right in you know how it's supposed to sound basically yeah so we should uh we should go see this on opening weekend, I think, for, yeah. for, for, for to uh, to further our D&D spirit for this year. Right. That'd be awesome. We'll have to see if we can get Scout or Bob to, uh, I mean, to come with us. At the too. very least, we're going to get to have some popcorn, right? Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I don't even know if or how the response was when the trailer first came out or, you know, what the overall impression is of it. I kind of don't care. Like to me, I want to see it. You know, I've always yeah. loved D and D. I've been playing it since I was a kid, and uh, <clears throat> I'm in. I'll check it out. I think it's kind of, in general, like a cautious optimism. Okay. I think people are a little, you know, weary of or leery of the uh, humor, kind of like we are. Yeah, but right. Still, I'm gonna see it anyway. So, yeah, you know, Hopefully, like the hardcore D and D fans are probably real worried. Well, to me, yeah, but they should also be encouraged because they did the detail of putting all those lore things in there. Yeah, you know? right. That so. mixed with, you know, think about when you play D&D, yes, there's serious moments, right? But what are you doing at the table? Mostly right. you're having fun and you yeah. are talking like Chris Pine, Pine is talking to each other at that at the table sometimes. Right. So yeah, and I think, to me, it just it's it's what you're doing when you're playing. So I I wasn't jarred by that so much. Like maybe some other people are. I, I, I'm in. Yeah, I'm a, yeah I kind of got that feeling too. That that is the kind of banter that you'd have at the table. You know. Yeah. All right, we have some Voyager three news to knock out real quick here. Uh, we still have a little bit left of the January sale going on at the Voyager3Store.com, V-O-Y-A-G-3R-Store.com. All orders over $35 get free U.S. contiguous shipping. So get on over to Voyager3Store.com and stock up on whatever you've been waiting to get. Uh, another fun bit of news is that we're contributing a track to an indie slasher film called movie theater massacre written and directed by our good buddy ian courtney um we're doing the very last uh final battle cue for the film and uh, we've already recorded it uh, and we've already turned it in so soon they should be announcing some information about the film when it's going to be coming out any festival appearances or any um, premieres or anything like that so we'll definitely make sure to let you guys know when that's going to happen because it's always fun to see a cool film like that in the theater 
with a bunch of buddies for sure. Yes. It's always you fun see. to hang out with Ian. That's right, yeah, man. Is. See, we're That's always right. working, people. That's right. Cheers, Ian. We're always take it easy. <laughs> we're always in the kitchen cooking up something for you. That's right. And and we never stop. We never stop. Then we have another one. That's right, man. Yeah, the Scored to Death Camp is uh, producing a documentary film all about some of the classic composers of horror films. Like, for example, uh, Henry Manfredini. Uh, who else? Heard of him. Yes, uh, Alan Haworth. You may have heard of him as well. Um, Bernstein. Yes, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, of course, uh, and uh, many more. So they're going to do a companion album to go along with this documentary film. And uh, we are on that record as as well as uh, Richard Christie from uh, Howard Stern show and uh, the drummer on the Final Death album uh, and Alan Haworth as well. Steve Moore from Zombie is contributing a track on there. And uh, right to, uh, before Moore, the holidays... Man. Steve oh yeah, Moore. he's he's a home run. He's money in the bank. Everything he does is very tasty and awesome, no doubt. Um, and our track, because they've announced a handful of the tracks already, and one of our, and ours was announced as well. So we're doing uh, a rendition of the Phantasm main theme, and uh, it turned out great. We've already recorded it, mixed it, mastered it, and we've turned it in. It is uh, turned out really tight. We're really happy with that, and I think you guys are going to love that track. So one more uh, film that we'd like to mention often because we scored that film. Uh, New York Ninja has a handful of theatrical dates that are happening right now. And by the time this podcast airs, uh, the final date at the Spectacle Theater is Friday, January 27th, a midnight showing. And that's at 124 South 3rd Street in Brooklyn, New York. Get your tickets uh, at the Spectacle Theater uh, website for New York Ninja. And then if you're not in the Brooklyn area, on the movie channel, on Sunday, January 28th at 4 a.m., uh, it's going to be playing on the movie channel. So uh, mark your calendar, set your DVRs, or brew some coffee, and check out New York Ninja. I have, to, I have a wardrobe change that I have to complete before we transition. <laughs> <All right. laughs> it's slid off the screen. Well, you can tell by Greg's hat that our final topic of this V3 cast is about the brand new obituary album, which is yes. called Dying of Everything. And it came out on January 13th of this year. So it's fresh and new as it gets, man. So uh, we're here to it's tell no you. no secret. It it's is no awesome. Secret. It's no secret that this band is a fan of obituary. Oh, yeah, yes. man. For sure. Ever since I heard Cause of Death, I, I've loved them ever since. And then I went backwards to to uh to Solary Rot and then kept going with every album they put out. So Was good. Cause of Death the first one you heard? Didn't you yep. hear my Slowly We Rot? No, I don't think so. I think I heard Cause of Death because I uh that was it in was the, cause of death for me. Is yeah, that the one right. with the spider webs on the, on yep. the, on the uh, that right. was the era I where where I would get something like a cassette because the cover looked great and i got yeah. that and i'm like oh my god this is outstanding because at that point i'd only ever heard probably spiritual healing maybe uh that pestilence album with the the ants on the guy's face consuming impulse and maybe that one suffocation album as far as death metal goes yeah. so when i saw that cover i'm like yep i gotta get this i, I gotta spend my, my allowance this week and get that cassette loved it and then you had 
um slow Liberty rot and then yeah. we, we we heard that too and we're like oh my god especially the track till death with the flange on the scream oh my god doesn't so get better good. than that jesus christ is so good <laughs> um i think the new album well i was gonna kind of build to this but why why wait i, th- I think it's the best one of the modern era like since they got back together definitely uh I think yeah. it was 2004 with um with frozen in time i've liked all the stuff they've done since they got back together i think the all those albums are good and some of the stuff is great but i just feel like they had more fire in this album like i agree like you can i i feel like you can hear the difference between them saying well we're going to do another album let's do a new album and them saying you know like let's fucking destroy this place you know like That's what this feels like. It Let, feels like they have a bit of a chip the on their shoulder. Yeah, raising the bar. It feels like I like a band when a band has a chip on their shoulder, not like to not toward anybody, not focused at anybody, but just when it sounds like they have something to prove. And it sounds like Obituary just wanted to grab the metal world or the death metal world by the throat, you know, with this album. Yeah, and I think they did it. Like, man, there's so, yeah, there's so much great textures on here and stuff you haven't heard them do at least right. not recently or at all like for example right. what's, up with, the, what's up with the speed of that first song it's so right. fast for obituary but it works it's great and then yeah. there's a song um well the single that uh that they released with the great like cinematic toms with a ton of a long reverb tail on them stuff like that in the beginning yeah, and some end. kind oh, of low so horn great. low horn with that too in the beginning of the song yeah yeah it's totally cinematic 100 percent, and it's mm-hmm. like that like to me that's like them uh reaching back to like uh world demise mojo or you know they don't mind if they're going to add like machine gun fire to right. um the, the the beginning of a track that that's okay like would a death metal band do that probably not but obituary is and it's gonna yeah. be fucking awesome <laughs> right right i think um there's so many great rhythms and so many great riffs and just they've always been a really rhythmic band with the way the guitars and the drums work together. Oh yeah. And I feel like they're, they, they came up with some of their best stuff on this album. And, and lyrically, I think this is like definitely the best lyrics he's written in the last 20 years. I mean, like yep. he, he has so many great little phrases like, yeah. you know, when he's like, um, I'll put an end to you without conscience, without, you know, uh, and uh, I'll take you to war, you know, that, yeah. that, that war song with the, with the machine guns. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's so many great little, little things he throws in there. And it's like, yeah, he just sounds like he had more to say on this album, which I know sounds kind of silly because it's, it's obituary. So like a lot of times you can't even tell what he's saying. You right, know? Right. And then he has a reputation for just making sounds sometimes that aren't necessarily even real words or, or they're completely indecipherable, but I don't know. I hear what he's saying more in this album and it sounds yeah. like he's just like, he just was a little, a little more determined, you know, a little more yeah. focused or something. And uh, the introduction of, well, not, not the very first time, but uh, guitar harmonies in on, on this record that they're not, they don't typically do that that much, yeah. but this one has like quite a bit. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't mind that either. It's not jarring to me. I don't feel like, oh, what's obituary doing? No, nah, man, it's perfect. And it's just right. a little added, like a couple extra different color crayons on the box in this box. And you're like, oh, yeah, man, I, I always wanted orange. Obituary right. never did orange. Now yeah. I got it. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, they have this reputation of being, I've heard people call them like the ACDC of death metal. 
I don't think that's true, though. I mean, maybe sometimes it is, but this album, they broke out of some some sort of habits. Now, there's plenty of traditional obituary on the album, yeah. but they, they definitely put up some new things that you wouldn't necessarily expect from them. Even the intro to, um, what is the one? Um, oh, the Dying of Everything, the title track, like this, yeah. the second song they put out uh, oh, yeah. as a single. That rhythm. It's got, yeah, that snare that stop pop 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 that snare they've never done a, a beat like that that like that anthrax kind of beat they've never right. done that that i can remember oh man yeah and uh i'm i'm bummed i couldn't make it to that show that was here at the uh at the state theater that was a mono marth was the headliner right yeah yeah, yeah that was that yeah, was Aaron and i were there i don't know but thank you for great. the for the uh not, not TikTok, man. but the snapchat videos man i, I appreciate yeah, man. that I felt like I was felt like close as I, I, I close as I could be to being there. <laughs> well, they're gonna have to come back this year for the new album because the album wasn't even out yet when they came, yeah. obviously. Yeah. So um they'll have to be back. I'm sure they will. Hopefully sure. in St. Andrews, that would be perfect. Oh, it sure would be, man. Oh my god, that would be the best sound. Um mm -hmm. drums would be thunderous. Yep. Speaking speaking about what you said earlier about uh you know, like the having the fastest song, that thing that I sent you guys today that Don Tardy said, you know, yeah. what the hell am I thinking at my age? Yeah. Right? yeah. Was, Why did I write that, that like that? <laughs> if, yeah. If you read the article, he's like, yeah, you know, we were in the studio, we were having fun. You know, I was really trying to push myself. And then he goes, then the reality set in that I'm going to have to like play this <laughs> out on tour. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I mean, it's pretty up tempo for a, for your typical obituary. They don't usually go right. that fast for sure right, but it right. sounds great and he, I and love i love that i love that he can still do it i mean he's so rock solid like he he well he is such an i i he's such an identifiable part of the band however you want to call it. he's the identity of the band so is his brother on vocals and yeah. you could hear and so like, is trevor's guitar tone so, trevor's yeah, guitar right. tone. They all, they're all bringing it <laughs> right you could you could play i mean other people have said this too but you could play any any part of any obituary song from any album and anybody would know anybody who knows this kind of music would know that's obituary you could yeah. never mix them up with somebody else even without the vocals going you'd know it was obituary just by the drums and by the tones you know oh yeah for sure man absolutely a couple things about obituary definitely top five best death metal vocalists of all time yeah. there's there's no arguing it like he is instantly identifiable and that's hard yeah. to do when you're doing that sort of voice right mm -hmm. but but you automatically know it's him there's a few other people you can say that about i think barney from napalm death is one of them yeah like you always know it's him you you know you always know but instantly identifiable definitely top five death metal vocalist of all time like he's in he's right in there with anybody else you know yeah. some people say lars from uh entombed would be one of them that you instantly know but like yeah. some of these guys have managed to carve out a way of of doing that sort of vocal you know to to the point where you just know it's them the other yeah. thing about obituary that you already mentioned is his brother and on the drums uh and the groove that obituary has that they always have it's instantly mm -hmm. like you mm -hmm. know it's them he comes from the same school of drumming as uh, Bill Stevenson from uh, Black Flag and Descendants. Like he's got that little bit of pause. We always talk about it. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like it's like 
you know, people talk about playing in the pocket. Those guys are playing in like the deep pocket. Like, right, right. He it's, pushes it's, that oh, four. It's like right to the very <laughs> brink of like, you know, like I don't know how to explain it, but him and Bill Stevenson do the same thing. Like when I watch yeah. them, it's that's what I. It, it's like all I can focus on because I'm a drummer. But yeah. like him and him and Bill Stevenson are are cut from the same cloth. You know, the last thing you already mentioned is guitar tone, but I'm going to go one step further and say. Trevor Perez is the most metal looking guy in metal. No, oh, like, yeah. there's nobody that looks more metal than him. Like yeah. I, he's got like, we, we always talk about this. There's something about his eyes. Like I remember those early obituary records. Like he just personified like the word obituary. He oh, just looked like, kind of yeah, like, it looked like a George Romero poster. He looked like, like a honestly. zombie a little bit. And that, yeah. that, you know, I hope that's not being mean towards yeah. him it's just the way he looks and he's perfect yeah. like he just looks like the definitive metal guy <laughs> you yeah, know right. like and now he's got that giant beard to, bur- to boot you know right? yeah and it's always cool that he played like a strat and like right. you know not a lot of metal guys play strats and it's just there's so much cool stuff about obituary that makes them unique and doing their own thing which is right. you know what anybody could hope to do in any kind of music and they, yeah, they yeah. definitely have stuck to their guns and do their own thing and this album this new album is a perfect example of that well right. uh we like to thank everybody for hanging out with us on this v3 cast episode 22 if you like voyager 3 or if you like three dudes from a band talking about movies and music and books and D and cool drinks then like and subscribe and hang out with us and you'll know the next time we upload a brand new v3 cast so until next time keep on rocking and we'll see you soon I gotta put. I gotta put them back in the box, though. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> no. Let me just. Let me just put them editing this part out. Oh yeah. No. Right back into the box you go.